Jewish audio on Kaban.org. Rambam, Hilchis Meiser Sheni, the laws of the second tithe and the fourth year produce, Pedic Revi, chapter 4. Continuing in the laws of the second tithe, how does the exchange and redemption process of second tithe work? We learned earlier you're allowed to take the produce, exchange it for money. Who determines how much? And in general, you ever try and buy something? You ever try and sell that thing back to the guy you bought it from? There's the buyer's price and there's the seller's price. (laughs) I know a guy who bought a painting and the uh, art store told him, whenever you need money, this is worth a fortune. He needed money and the guy laughed at him. But you told me it's worth $18,000. That was then. This is now. If somebody wants to redeem produce of my sashani, you do it for the true value. And you say, you verbalize and you say, these funds replace this produce. Or the second step is to take the money and buy produce with it. You say, I'm exchanging this money for this produce. No. Or, I stand corrected. Another form of doing it is saying, these, this produce, the sanctity of this produce is transformed to these funds. Better, he should verbalize it. What if he didn't verbalize it, he just did it? It's okay. And worse comes to worse, it still works, even though he did not. After the fact, he did, if he, even if he did not verbalize it. And now the produce, which up to this moment were holy, now become everyday produce, profane. And the funds now take on the holiness, and it is the funds that have to be brought up to Jerusalem, and he has to expend them there. As it says, the Torah actually prescribes this. These are the words of the Torah. What if the distance between your farm and Jerusalem is too far? So you can't carry it. What does the verse say? You take the produce, exchange it for money. The money is not too difficult to carry because a lot of money could be held in your fist. A gold coin. Or if for whatever reason he wanted to exchange the produce for produce... Then the second produce becomes Meiser Sheni, and he takes the second produce, which he exchanged it for, and takes it to Jerusalem. And he should not exchange one species for another. So if he has wheat, he should not exchange it for barley. If he has barley, he should not exchange it for wheat. He shouldn't use shouldn't exchange good produce for mediocre produce, even in the same species, good wheat for mediocre wheat or bad wheat. If he did, 
In general, the general rule is, once it's done, it's okay. The exchange is valid. Because the Torah prescribes it as a procedure when one redeems second tithe. He actually makes a blessing. What is the blessing? Who sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us. For the redemption of the second tithe. It's a mitzvah. <coughs> or if he did produce for produce, or he took money to produce, the blessing is somewhat different, for the exchange, the redemption of my But if somebody does it to the second tithe of the rabbinic, Demai, ain sort of bracha, being that it's a rabbinic procedure, no blessing is required. Dalit kishapedinus hamaser when he redeems this, ain pedinus of the shemaiser. Give me one second here. Yeah, okay. When he redeems it, he should not redeem it for the sake of maiser el shem chulin, but for the sake of the everyday. Vayimnam we say. In other words, he doesn't say, I have my cert to sell, how much you give me for it, but he should say, I have produce to sell. Kama shavin paid us chulun. He said, how much is this regular produce worth? Even though the word out is that it's my baza. we don't want to insult and demean the my cert. Once the my sheni has been exchanged for money. You don't exchange money for money. Bain, Shahayu, Elob, Elokesef, whether both monies were silver, Elob, Elokesef, or both were copper, brass, Ayarishenis, Kesef, Vashnias, Techesef, or the first was silver, the second were brass, Ayarishenis, Techesef, Vashnias, Kesef, or vice versa. If he did it, it takes hold. You don't take money of miser and exchange it for produce because it doesn't make sense. You want the money because you can travel easily with money. What do you need more produce? If he did, then let him take the produce and eat, have it, and eat it in Yishalayim. He should not exchange the produce for living domesticated animals, beasts, birds. He shouldn't buy a cow or chickens. And if he did, it did not take hold. It's not transferred. Why? What's wrong with it? Livestock is food. Why is it different? Because we're concerned, Shema Yegadol Mehem Adorim Adorim. We're concerned that he's going to raise the cattle and the sheep and the chickens into many. And this is going to create a big problem. But if he made the exchange for slaughtered meat, why would this be different than other produce? Let them be brought up. And eaten in Jerusalem, be and the money becomes everyday money.
seven bishasat chak in time of oppressing situation dire need one may exchange silver currency <coughs> for copper ones not that he should maintain it in this way because the name of the game is to have the highest level currency to make it easy to transport you don't want to transport copper currency in large volume to Jerusalem you might as well do produce but for some reason he has to do it until he can re-exchange the copper for silver. In general, silver is also preferred because they're more prestigious, they don't corrode, and so on. Okay. Tess, uh, 9. Huh? Eight. Thank you. Ches eight. Meiser Sheni Shodemai. Second tithe of rabbinic produce. Where the rabbi said, "You're not sure if Meiser Sheni was taken or not to so do it again." Here, the laws and the applications are much more lenient. You can, to begin with, exchange silver for silver, and silver for copper, and copper for copper, and copper for produce, and take the produce. All of the severity of the previous laws are off when it's a case of rabbinic demai, my sashemi. Test, ain't paid, ain't paid us. One should only redeem from money, silver. The verse says, and you shall bundle up the silver. So also if he himself redeems it, and he has to add a fifth, because that's the rule. If you redeem your own miser, you have to add a fifth. It should be silver. Like the principle. One should not use raw silver. But one should rather use coins, minted coins. It has to be with an image or with writing, something that's considered currency. And if he just used silver bullion, this is called Asimun, then our sages say this is not good. Because we want tradable currency. You should not ever redeem for a coin less than a puta. Because it's like using what we just said is a simon. That's a non-currency. Less than a puta is a non-currency. One cannot redeem the produce of my sashini for currency that's not used in that time and in that place. You should spend the money on anything you desire. This money has to be used, has to be capable of being expended. What if you have an old antique coin from the old kings? The litmus test is, can you use it in a supermarket? Fine. You can't? No good. One cannot redeem produce with money that he does not have in his ownership, in his possession. In other words, 
Can I redeem produce because Moshe owes me money and Moshe pays me, that'll be the money? It's not in my possession. It has to be in my possession. Shenamar, as it says, the money should be bundled. In your hand. It has to be bundleable in your hand. If it's not in your hand, it's because you don't own it right now. It's not in your possession. I mean, you could technically own it, but you, you don't have access to it. What if his wallet, his purse, fell into a pit? He can get it out, but he has to just call the fire department first. He can use it for redemption. Because it's his. He's standing here. He's just waiting for people to come. Uh, it, it's not that it's not his. He'll get it in a few minutes. Here's an interesting law. At least I found it to be very interesting. There's a lot of discussion on it. What if he was traveling down the road and he has a big bundle of money? He's doing a business deal. That's before they had credit cards. They were able to swipe. The Onas Bokenegde and a pirate, a robber, a highwayman, a mugger is coming at him. So he says to himself, I'm about to lose a lot of money. If he fights the fight of his life, and maybe he could save the money, which means it still could be considered his money, then he could do a trick. He has a lot of Mysoshani produce sitting in his house. He says, Lord, whoever's listening to me, the Mysoshani is now exchanged for this money. This is now Mysoshani money. He figures if he loses it, at least the Mysoshani will get lost. So, again, there's discussion. Can he do it to begin with? Or if he did it, does it work? And I think the Rambam believes if he did it, it should work. And if not, if it was impossible for him to save this, if this was a goner, and he said it, it's worth nothing. And again, there's a lot of discussion and application here. <coughs> it's still very interesting. What if somebody puts away money in a particular place, and the intent of having put away that money is, as the produce accumulates, he will redeem it with the money in his top drawer, in his vacation home. The problem is he hasn't been to his vacation home for months. He can keep redeeming and assume that the money is still there. Why? Because it's his home and it's safe. What if he found that the money is gone? Either it was taken or it corroded or whatever. He has to backtrack and he has to find a solution for everything he redeemed and redo it. Yudalid, another example. Me show you aimed betveria. If somebody was in Tiberias, yeshloi moes bebabel, and he has money where in Iraq, in Babylon. There are two problems, as he explains here. Problem number one is he's in Tiberias, and the money is in Babylon. Problem number two. 
The money is Babylonian currency. Babylonian currency doesn't work too well in Tiberias. And he's in Tiberias. Therefore, for these two reasons, I believe, and he cannot make that exchange. <coughs> However, a similar scenario. What if he had Tiberius currency, Israeli currency, in Babylon? Here there's only one problem. It's in Babylon, but it's the right currency. Here he can make this exchange. From this scenario, we can learn for all similar scenarios. What if somebody says... And there are various interpretations. One interpretation is nowadays when the redemption process becomes more liberal because we have to have the money be thrown into the sea or whatever. Others say in general, if somebody says the miser sheni that I have should be exchanged for the coin that comes up in my hand from this pocket. I'll sell a she'efret midina on the coin that I will get change when I find the money change at the bank or will give me change of this gold dinar. I'll punjin she'efret miselazeh for the punjin, which is like one fiftieth, I believe, of the half shekel. It's exchanged. And that which comes up in his hand, or, or that exchange, can be used for miser. The point here is that the coin was not yet identified. And this goes back to the principle of Breda. Does halacha accept that that which happened was supposed to happen and can be considered as having happened Retroactively. The person says this tithe should be exchanged for the sela. Sela is like the latter form of a shekel, which my son had. He doesn't exchange it. Perhaps the son didn't have it in his possession at that time. So it's unknown. Somebody redeems second tithe before he separates it. This is a problem. First, you have to separate. Then you can redeem. King Shomer, he says, My Sashini shall pay this halo. He has raw produce. The second tithe of this produce, Podui b'mois halo, is redeemed with these monies. Leom Klumi didn't do anything because he never separated the tithe. But like he didn't separate it, even though we learned earlier. And we're learning now that the tithe can be separated even only verbally. Verbally works too. But that has to happen before. And therefore, if he designates and he says, the second tithe of this produce is in the northern part of the pile. A bedorim or in the southern part of the pile. Now he has verbally separated the tithe. Now, no problem. Now he can say, and this should be exchanged for these monies. That's 100% correct. What's the difference? The difference is that he makes a verbal separation just before the exchange. Now, what kind of 
exchange rate should we have for Maishasheni? There's discussion as to whether this applies to during the time that one actually ate the Maishasheni, then of course it has to be full value. Or others say very meticulously observant people should perhaps do it even nowadays for full value, even though we learned that we don't have to. So this, that's the discussion as to what 18 applies to. When we redeem second tithe, we go for real value. However, within real value itself, as I explained in my introduction, there's the buyer's price and this, the seller's price, like in the stock, like in the stock market. He can redeem in the lower price. The price that the storekeeper buys for. As I said earlier, there's what the storekeeper buys for, and then there's what he sells for. And the difference is his profit. Not what he sells for. He can give them monies like the banker exchanges money. Not like that which he charges. In other words, in a banker's fee, there's also, <laughs> ever try to do currency exchange? You do, you do currency exchange, you're traveling to Europe, you do currency exchange. Well, are you buying or are you selling? Because either way, you're going to get killed. It's what they buy it for and it's what they sell it for. Yeah, but yesterday, yesterday that was yesterday. What if he went and redeemed the value of a mana, a hundred silver coins for one penny, or the value of a mana for a pruta? If that was done, it, it does work. And that's why some people say this is nowadays. We covered that earlier. You test, what if the seller aged and got worn down and the seller was now worth a sixth or less than a sixth, less than it should be? If the banker would accept it, worst case scenario, so to begin with, we shouldn't worry about it. And in general, in halacha, the one-sixth is that magic number of cheating. There's one-sixth space. It says if a person overcharged more than a sixth, you can challenge the wholesale. What if he redeemed it for a seller, and the seller turned out to be a bad seller? He has to exchange it. Second tithe should not be exchanged by approximation or estimation. He must be precise with its measure, or the weight, and give its money. If his money was known, if the rate is known, we know this produce, it's, everybody knows how much it's worth. Then all he needs to do is ask one guy. If we're not certain, like wine, which borderline began to sour, or paytas, produce began to rot, a moist or money which is beginning to corrode, or Here he needs a group of three professional business people. 
Even if one of them was a non-Jew, this is not about being Jewish. This is about knowing business, knowing values. A balamaiser or the person himself. Even a man. And back then when men had multiple wives, <clears throat> conceivably even a man and his two wives, as long as they know money, because that's what they do. They know currency. They know value. They know produce. <clears throat> They work in the Chicago of Produce Center. Payden Al Pihem. They can redeem the, the stock. Uh, what the stock uh, center? What's it called? The Mercantile uh, Center. Redeems by their statement. And we always have the owner make the first bid. This is a stringency in tithing over consecrated <coughs> property. And again, there's discussion in the commentaries as to exactly <coughs> what the Rambam means by this. 21. One should not take produce of Maeser Sheni from one place to the other to redeem it. If somebody transports produce from a more expensive locale to a cheaper locale, or from a cheaper locale to a more expensive locale, he should redeem according to the price of the place of redemption. What if it was rabbinic? Here, we always take the lesser. Cheaper price. Since it was possible to sell at that price, is the closing paragraph of chapter 4. What if somebody had a huge amount of produce in his granary? So he had to hire a trucking company to take the produce, load it into the truck, or a wagon company. And he had to bring it to the marketplace in the city, to the fair. And obviously, if something is worth $100 in the granary, it's worth $120 at the fair. Because the granary requires transportation. And the fair, you're there where all the customers are. So the question is, what happens to his transportation costs? <clears throat> the guy says, hey, I spent money for transportation. That's very nice. You're a good guy. But pay the kishara ear. He should redeem it for the price that it's sellable. In the fair, and that's the high price, what about my transportation costs? As my mother of blessed memory used to say, you're a mitzvah boy. He lost transportation Cost end of chapter.